Steven? Yes? Yes? Steven, come here this instant. What is it? What is that on your microphone? That, it's just a, it's just a pop filter. That is filthy, it's uh, filthy. We, you and I are gonna Jason. clean it right now. We're gonna clean it no. right now. Come here. J but, but it's already clean. It, it's not clean, it's dirty. I work my fingers to the bone to make the best podcast in the world and you have a dirty microphone. I don't know how to clean it. It's, it's... <laughs> Jesus Christ. With me, fellas! This ain't my first time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we watch a classic movie to see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that re reputation is good or bad. And this time around, we're reviewing a movie that's known to be very, very bad. Right, Steve? That's the rumor. It was, I believe, the second ever winner of the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Picture. So that's hey, that's the, the pedigree. <laughs> that's that's the pedigree of the film. We're <laughs> you just don't like awards in general. I don't. I don't. I know, because you know what? Some of our favorite movies have been, uh, some of the classic films in the world have been uh, uh, award recipients or nominees for Golden Raspberry Awards. That's absolutely true. Yeah, give me one. The Thing. Yeah, that's right. The Thing. That's right. So fuck you, Golden Raspberry Awards. What you do is you take the, po the, the temperature of popular culture, and then you go, let's nominate this, make it super bad. And then later on, people are like, fuck you, Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> what were you thinking? Ah, yes, but the movie, the movie, Steve. Oh, uh, yeah, we're gonna yes. This skull, what? No, go ahead. <laughs> Once again, it's a scathing critique of Hollywood, right, Steve? Sure. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> sure it is, yeah. Louis B. Mayer has never been so cuddly. I know. He's the he's the 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 studio head that cares. That's right. The movie that we're going to review today is the infamously awful mm -hmm. Mommy Dearest. That's right. Steve? Yes. Do you have any trivia outside uh. of the Golden Raspberry Awards about the movie <laughs> Mommy Dearest? I do. I have a few non-Golden Raspberry Steven, Award related. are you talking about the Golden Raspberry Awards again? <laughs> I told you no awards ever! <laughs> um, so this is kind. Of, this is kind of cool. So obviously, the star of the movie is is Faye Dunaway, and earlier in her career, several years before she made this movie, Faye Dunaway was described by a Hollywood legend as being the only actress of her generation with the talent and the class and the courage that it takes to make a real star. And oh. the Hollywood legend that said that about Faye Dunaway. Uh huh. Joan Crawford. Ooh. Ooh, juicy, right? What what a way to pay back a compliment. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, also, Mommy Dearest, uh, again, as we're we're about to, to discuss, uh, was released by Paramount, which it just so happens was the only one of the classic big eight Hollywood studios from the golden age of Hollywood for which Joan Crawford never made a movie. So, oh. so it was the only, the only, the only studio that would take it because they said, "Well, we never worked with her." <laughs> Fuck it. Um, oh, and, that's, and, that's great. Yeah. And one more thing. Okay. And this, 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 I, I thought was interesting. So, uh, this is 
a somewhat infamously bad movie. It received mostly very poor reviews when it came yes. out. One of the most surprising of those poor reviews came actually from Christina Crawford herself, who wrote the book uh -huh. and is the basis yeah. for one of the characters. And uh, after criticizing earlier proposals to adapt her book because she uh -huh. felt that they wanted to show her mother in too positive a light, right. Christina saw this film and mm -hmm. said, quote, my mother didn't deserve that. <laughs> 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 and she said, and she said, now that I've seen it, I'm sorry I did. So I think that's very interesting that she was initially worried that the movie of her book would whitewash her mother and make her look too good. Yeah. She ended up thinking that the movie actually went too far in the other direction and made her and mother made look her too bad. Made her a horror face movie monster. <laughs> yeah. So can't win with some the people. The boogeyman that lurks in children's closets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Lurking in their closets and uh, bullying them into cleaning their bathroom floors. Uh-huh. Yeah, so there you go. Well, yay! I don't have anything. <laughs> I have nothing for this. The only trivia that I have is that this has kind of become a cult movie. Oh, yeah. Because the performances, the performances, namely Dunaways, are so over the top. She chews so much scenery that I was afraid she was going to eat that beach when she's walking down with, it on her, with her boyfriend. <laughs> that it was prime fodder for drag shows. Oh, it yeah. really really became one of those movies that is just so gloriously over the top that to portray, portray yourself not necessarily as Joan Crawford but as Faye Dunaway playing Joan yeah. Crawford from this movie has become kind of you have to have that in your bag you have to have a Joan Crawford right oh your, of course in your, in your drag bag <laughs> of course I can do a Joan Crawford who the fuck what, do you, you think kidding? you're talking I, to I learned I learned at Yale I've been doing Crawford since I was 17 when I strode the boards at Juilliard, that was the first thing I was instructed in. <laughs> Day one of Drag 101. <laughs> Joan Crawford. That's the first lesson in the syllabus. All right. You ready to review who made it? Uh-huh. Yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs> God Get damn it. Get over here and do the who made it with me, Steve. <laughs> yes. Yes, Jason. Yes. <laughs> Jason what? Jason, dearest. When I wanted you to say that, I wanted you to mean it. <sighs> All right. It was directed by Frank Perry nothing. Actually, easy. actually, that's but, not true. Frank Perry also directed a movie that I really like called The Swimmer that I have recommended previously. Like on I one said, nothing. Oh, oh, damn. <laughs> damn. It's Bert Lancaster. Yes. Yes, indeed. Hello, I'm The Swimmer. <laughs> and that's basically the movie. What I do is I go into the water. <laughs> He's a really hard guy to do an impression of. Oh, my God. Oh, Bert. It's like he's in the room with me. <laughs> Produced by Frank Yab Yablans. Yablans. Um, the only other notable movie is uh, Silver Streak. Unless, of course, Steve has uh, some obscure movie that he really, really likes. I do not. I do not. Okay, good. Screenplay by <laughs> Garetti, Robert Getchell, nothing, Tracy Hotchner, nothing, Frank Perry, nothing, and Frank Yablans. Four people. Hmm. It took four people to turn her into a monster. <laughs> four little Dr. Frankensteins. <laughs> Each rewrite making her worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> Based on Mommy Dearest by Christina Crawford. 
um, this movie, the book itself, I don't know how popular the book was. It was scandalous, right? It sold. It sold pretty well. Yeah, and yeah. then they decided to make it a movie, and then they just made a bad movie. Although I remember when the movie came out, some people were like, "It's awful what she's doing to the Joe Crawford," and it's like she's dead. She doesn't care. Yeah, fuck it. What are you complaining about? Is a corpse gonna get up and complain? Yeah. That's kind of interesting. She's been dead for four years. It's been long enough. <laughs> Come on, lighten up. Starring Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford. Uh, you guys know her from Bonnie and Clyde mm. Network and uh, uh, Supergirl. That's right, yes. <laughs> so not everything was great. One day, one day Supergirl's going to wind up in here, Steve. Yeah. And we might kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I heard a few things about her on set for this movie. Yeah. That she was a little demanding. Yeah. That uh, no one could look at her while she's on stage. And I think that's just embarrassment. Uh, she claims <laughs> they, that they nope. couldn't make eye contact. Don't look at me while I'm doing this. <laughs> um, I think, didn't she eventually, because she, uh, for years, like, she refused to talk about it. She just she re- Then she barely, I mean, she wrote an autobiography and is barely mentioned. Yeah, and, and I think at a certain point, like, that thawed a little bit. And I, I remember reading something about how she kind of blamed part of her problem on the director she said well the director wasn't experienced enough to know when to tell an actor to pull back yeah. and i'm like oh okay well that that's a creative way to avoid taking responsibility right. <laughs> you know it's the director's fault he should have told me i was going too far well okay in in her defense yeah it is yeah it uh, is. yeah of course if you're on set and she's doing some of that shit and you don't want it to be that movie right. you, know, you do kind of have to say something you kind of have to step in and say uh there's nobody in the ceiling that you should be saying these lines to <laughs> um, are you screaming at god like what? remember joan crawford was a real person <laughs> not a character from a soap opera okay uh. ready and roll <laughs> nope <laughs> Cut, Jesus. Okay, we wrote in the script that you hit her with a wire hanger once, not 19 times. You killed her. <laughs> She's dead, Faye. Yeah. So there is a complaint. There's a big fight scene later on in which she actually hurt her co star. Yeah. And uh, the other woman that was in the scene was too afraid to step in because she thought she was going to get hurt. Yeah. So it was had problems from the very beginning. Yeah. Diana Scarwood as Christina Crawford as an adult. She was in Silkwood. She's been in a few other things, but nothing terribly notable. No, mm-hmm. not really. Yeah. She's playing one of them 35-year-old, 16-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, for her first scene. It's like, what how old is she supposed to be? <laughs> okay. Mara Hobble as Christina Crawford. Child. Nothing. <laughs> For a reason. She, she probably went, I don't want to do this anymore, Mommy and Daddy. Is this how it is? Is this how it all, always is? Is all, all these movies where an actress comes in and beats on me for about 15 minutes while I cry, Mommy, why? Is this going to be every movie? It's a, it's a little traumatizing for a child to do that, I would imagine. <laughs> Steve Forrest is Greg Savitt. Nothing. You might know him from, like, TV. He was on SWAT. That's his only other notable thing, right? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, you're right. He was a TV actor. He's familiar. Yeah. Like you might recognize him, but he's you one of those guys. Recognize him from something. Yeah, it's hard to place. Right, exactly. Yeah. Howard De Silva as Louis B. Mayer, and he's most notable for being blacklisted during the 1950s. Oh, commie. He had a big career, he had a big career, but nothing super notable. Yeah. Right? 
Uh, Rutanya Alda is Carol Ann Nothing. Harry, now when I say nothing, they may have done a lot of work, they may have done a little work, but nothing notable. Right. So I'm not saying that they're not worth anything. I'm just saying that they didn't do anything that you would go, oh, yeah. yeah. And just... you're not making, you're not passing a value judgment on them as a human being. No. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Anyway, Just wanted Harry to make Gaz- that clear. Thank you. Harry Gauz as Alfred Steele. Michael Edwards as Ted Gelber. Jocelyn Brando as Barbara Bennett. Priscilla Pointer as Mrs. Chadwick. And you'll know her from Blue Velvet. Hey, she hey. did some other stuff, too. Xander Berkeley as Christopher Crawford. And you'll know him from T2. Yeah. Um, as the dad who gets the the milk with an arm knife in it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he was in The Mentalist. Yeah, and a bunch of TV. And a bunch yeah. of TV. Another one Jeremy of those Scott. guys. What? An- another one of those guys that like you'll recognize yeah. him, but you'll think, "What did I see him in?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeremy Scott Ryan Ryan Bolt as young Christopher. Carolyn Coates as Mother Superior. Margaret Fairchild as the orphanage's Mother Superior. Uh, so we had two Mother Superiors. Wow. Oh no, wait. The orphan. I don't know anymore. I don't care. Belinda Moreno as Belinda Rosenberg. You'll know her. From Perfect Strangers. That's right. Right, Steve? That's right. She was Lydia on Perfect Strangers, the gossip columnist. The disease that just keeps spitting out. <sighs> yeah. So many, if you trace things back that are awful, you always find <laughs> Perfect Strangers. There's always a Perfect Strangers connection. You know, this movie could have <laughs> used a little Bronson Pinchot. Just a little. Not, most things could have used only a little bit of Bronson just, Pinchot. Not too much. No, no, no. That's too much. That's what the restaurant says when he comes to eat. Oh, jeez. Can't we just do with a little bit of Bronson He's here, He's here like every night. He's at the bar again pretending to be bulky. He's at the I bar. Can he wear clothes instead of a bathroom? Uh, Is that a thing he could do? He's just one of those guys. I just feel weird calling him Mr. Pinchot. He's not a Mr. type of guy. Oh, well, look. He's, he's, he's implying that pterodactyls exist he's, in his home country. Great. Yeah. He just told the bartender to not be ridiculous. He, and uh, Alice Nunn as Helga. Hey, Steve, I know you know this actress from something else. I do. You do. I do. Most, a most notable part outside of being. Oh, this. was she? She was in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, who was she? Steve? She was Large Marge. That's right. She was Large Marge. <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> nothing Music else. by Henry Mancini. How many times do I have to comment on his career? How many more times, Steve? Six. God damn it. <laughs> I didn't even write anything down. Henry Mancini did, what, the Pink Panther? Yeah. No, that's the other guy. No, uh, well, yeah, he did. God, what did he do? I don't know. He did, a, he did the scores for a lot of different movies. Yes, he did. Cinematography by Paul Lohman, uh, who also did the cinematography for Nashville. Ooh. And um, he did a lot of Mel Brooks films in the 1970s. Edited by Peter E. Berger. And um, you'll know, you won't know him, but I mean, he also cut Star Trek Four, Yeah. And Fatal Attraction. Distributed by Paramount Pictures. Release date, September 18th, 1981. Running time, 129 minutes. Budget, $5 million. I didn't do the adjusted for inflation because I just was so upset with this movie. <laughs> Box office, $39 million. It made its money back. That's, that's why we got Mommy Dearest 2, Mommy Dearest 3, Season of the Witch. <laughs> Mommy Dearest 4, Mommy's Home. <laughs> 
I was going to go Mommy Dearest for the quest for peace, but that's that's no, good too. That's later in the series. Mommy <laughs> Dearest. Mommy's f- home. Five Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, there you go. All right. There you go. Mommy Dearest Six: The Curse of Joan Crawford. Mommy Dearest Seventh: Maternity Ward. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> And then the gritty uh, reboot slash sequel that just came out a few years ago that was just called Mommy. Oh, yeah, that, that's yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. We really don't want to do this movie, do we, Steve? Um, I mean, we're, we're going to have to eventually. We're locked in. Yeah. We're locked in, it's... baby. But I don't. Ooh, I watched this twice. And I, I saw this when I was younger. And I was, like, horrified by that kid getting beat up. Yeah. But also, like, that kid deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> she knew what was going to happen. She's a shitty kid. If I behave like that, I would expect my mother to beat me. <laughs> or force me to run laps in a swimming pool to the point of exhaustion. Yeah. Well, my mom made me watch Mommy Dearest. Oh, that was that was how she got back at you. Yeah. Would you like a mother like this? <laughs> I think I have a mother like this. You mean rich? <laughs> <laughs> you mean rich? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, Steve, are you ready to call Child Protective uh, Services they, in the amazing world of Mommy Dearest? I've, I've got the number programmed into my phone. It's, it's 1940-some shit like that. I, I, I don't have a program of program the phone. You mean you bought a monkey that has all the numbers memorized? Yeah, monkey! A monkey. <laughs> call a, Louis Payman. A monkey with makeup and lipstick on. And nail polish. And nail polish, yes. Monkey. Because that organ grinder is way too into his monkey. Yeah, I know. Oh, you look so beautiful. The kids are going to love you. I mean that literally. Way too into his monkey. Oh, that's not good. I just put that in all of our listeners' heads, too. You had to go low with it, didn't you? You had to go blue. I'm Uh, in a bad mood. (laughs) (laughs) Why shouldn't the listeners suffer right along with us? Uh Uh-huh. All right, Steve, let's you and I go into the world of Mommy Dearest. Steve, please. Yeah? Please Uh take it away. (laughs) I will take it away, but first we have to talk about everything that happens in it. this movie's not good. Please take it away. Goodbye, folks. Do you have anything in back that could be better? (laughs) Look through the trash. Is there anything? (laughs) Oh, shit. Um... Well, uh, the alarm goes off, which should be a wake-up call to all of us to just stop watching the movie. Just go, no, no, oh, just, just hit snooze. What are you snooze. talking about? She's a working woman in Hollywood. That, we got to see how she gets ready. That's right. She she gets up and she, we see her. We could rewrite the lyrics to 9 to 5. <laughs> yeah, 4, 4.30. Up, jump out of bed, pour gin over ice. Um. <laughs> Wash your face with boiling water. <laughs> Resent your life and what you chose to do. Yeah, yeah exactly. Get to the studio at two o'clock. <laughs> Get treated like meat for about thirteen hours. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is her her morning routine. She's going to go. I believe. I, I don't think they they establish it in the movie, or maybe there's like a, a quick shot of a script. But it's it's Ice Follies of 1939 is the movie she's supposed yes. to be doing, and uh, she gets up and yeah, she washes her face in like super hot water and then then cools it with ice water and she she cools it with alcohol yeah poured over Over ice ice. yeah and uh she uh scrubs her nails and her hands with a brush and just really like really rigorous like cleaning up uh and goes into the studio she was wearing one of them chin strap things yeah 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 goes into the studio 
and gets her makeup done. And then the guy comes and says, you know, 10 minutes, Mrs. Craw- Ms. Ms. Crawford. And she turns around and that's the first time we get an actual look at her face. And she's like, let's yeah. do it. You know, like, and you're like, oh, the eyebrows. What are you doing? Yeah. What is that? And she doesn't say it. Let's do it. Like she's getting ready to go do something fun. She's like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> because this is the warning shot, guys. You could have breezed along thinking that this was going to be a serious movie until that scene. She turns around. Because <laughs> the rest is soap opera level acting. Get out of my way. Look out, world. Here I come. Here comes Joan. <laughs> and we cut to her house later on, yep. and it's time for some obsessive house cleaning by a millionaire. Oh, yeah. she is. We, we see Joan Crawford, who at this point in her career is arguably the top woman movie star in the country, if not the world. And she is on her hands and knees scrubbing her already quite clean floor entryway yeah. yeah and one of the other maids is like you know oh so-and-so is done cleaning the floor in the living room joan and she's like okay and she goes to look and she is she is incensed to see that when the maid waxed the floor she did not move the flower pot to wax because the floor everyone will look under the flower pot steve <laughs> yeah, yes of course so then she gets she immediately gets on her knees and starts scrubbing the part of the floor that was under the flower pot. And she says the first of this movie's uh, memorable, quotable lines, which is she turns to the maid who fucked up and she says, understand, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the dirt. That's right. And you're dirt. And you're, yeah, yeah. I usually leave that last part <laughs> off. And you're the dirt. But her boyfriend comes by. Yeah. He seems normal. Her boyfriend Greg is a lawyer, right? Yeah. He's a lawyer. A Hollywood lawyer. And it kind of looks like one of those guys who would be a captain of a spaceship in a 1950s sci-fi movie. <laughs> yes, he does. He totally has that look, yeah. And they have sexy shower time. Yeah. Where she has like three shower heads in her, in her, in her shower. Yeah, exactly. So you, you never have to turn around. Standing there all naked. We don't get to see anything, guys. She's no. standing there all naked. And she's like, Tom for the sexy, sexy. And then she's walking on the beach with him. And this is the scene where she could have plucked the seagulls out of the sky and drained the drain the <laughs> ocean because she's just chewing scenery everywhere. Isn't oh, she? boy. And and the thing is, okay, she wants a baby. Yeah, she wants a baby. Yeah. She wants a baby. Well, right, right after Sexy Shower Time, we see that she's doing some sort of publicity thing. Where she pretends that she likes children. She's at an orphanage, yeah. and it's Christmas time, and she's helping the kids, and she's saying some bullshit to some reporter somewhere. Yeah, and she sees a little kid, and her 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 dusty attic that is her womb goes. <laughs> I want one of those. Yeah, and, she, and then she's walking down the thing because she had seven miscarriages with her previous husband. Right, so she can't have like her own children, and she's like, "I'm going to adopt one." And her her lawyer boyfriend is like, "No, you're not. They're never going to give and you a also, baby." Also, no, you didn't have children because you didn't want your body to go to pot. Oh, is that why? But that's not what Joan says. Well, okay, Joan said that, but if she's as obsessive about her looks as she is in this movie, oh yeah, yeah, quote unquote anyway, miscarriages. She's like, "I want baby." And so she goes to the orphanage, and they say, no baby for you. And, and we're like, oh, no. And then, oh, never mind. Her lawyer bought her a baby. A black market baby. From somewhere. Yeah. From someplace. Sure. He just did something, and now she's got a baby. He made a phone call and got her a baby. And she doesn't instantly turn creepy. <laughs> <laughs> She takes the little baby, and it's a girl, and she's like, I'm going to name you Christina. 
I'm gonna give you everything that I didn't have. Yeah. And everybody else is standing around. Sanity? <laughs> everybody else is standing around going, this is fine. This is going to be fine. We did a bad thing. No, there's <laughs> no. Greg, her lawyer boyfriend, is like, I've done a bad yeah. thing. Oh, boy. Oh, I did a bad thing. <sighs> Why am I trying to make this woman happy? Uh, this isn't going to work for anybody. Uh-huh. But all of a sudden, well, bam! She's, uh, her, Christina's turned, uh, age? Yeah. She's like a, yeah, she's like a... I don't know. We don't know. Like we don't five, know. maybe four or five, six, uh, something like that. I don't know. But it's a birthday party. Steve. Yeah. And oh, she's got brother because someone let her have another baby. <laughs> Can I ask you a question, Steve? Yeah. For a woman who we've been shown hates messes and doesn't like dirt, how in the fuck did she survive a baby? Uh, well, we've seen that she has a household staff. That's true. Carol Ann, the baby needs changed. Also, why are there GIs there? Uh, yeah, good question. There's like this random group of like four or five army dudes who are just standing around, like hovering mm-hmm. around Joan's chair. I guess for a photo op or something. That's because she doesn't seem to really care that they're there. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's a monkey that we described yeah. earlier. Yeah. And a knife juggler. Oh boy, you can't have a kid's All the birthday. Things kids like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's see. All we well, got: presents, swimming pool, carousel, ponies, ponies, knife juggler. <laughs> Perfect children's birthday party. Uh huh. Oh, here comes the naked lady with a snake to dance around. Uh, Yay! Oh, the kids love that. Uh huh. And uh oh, Steve. <gasps> She's jealous of the, some of the attention that the eight-year-old is getting. Oh, man. That's that's probably not going to bode well for the rest of their lives. Right. Because mm. uh, she's taking pictures with her pretending to open presents, and the guy's taking the pictures going, oh, you're a natural. You're... He says, Christ- I think he says Christina too many times, and she gets a little... Ooh. Yeah, you can tell. Right. Like, Joan is like, she's like moving even closer and smiling, and like, yeah, don't yeah. don't forget about the movie also, star. Also, Christ- Christina's got a got a stain on her dress yeah grass stain yeah which actually looks more like a uh, dog vomited <laughs> on on her dress and she's like i gotta go change it and she's like no you don't and she's like yeah i do and then the photographer's like it'll read and she's like fine god damn you go change your dress you can't shoot around the grass stain but later that night haha no presents for you that's right she can only keep one present and she has to give the rest away to the orphanage that's right and greg shows up and I bought her jewelry, and that's gross. Anyway, she calls him Uncle Greg. Right, right. And she can only keep one thing, so he'll just keep the other one because he'll be around forever until <laughs> yes. she can get. But then, then Joan says, "No, you can get two things because I'm being judged by my boyfriend." Right? <laughs> right, exactly. I get the feeling this is also sort of like a welfare check. Like Greg yeah. is just popping in to be like, "Hey, is everything okay with Christina?" <laughs> Cool. I don't want to carry this to my grave. Please tell me everything's okay. <laughs> How are things with your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, then uh, we're out by the pool and Christina is swum to death. Yeah, exactly. First she forces her to like do the same dive over and over again because her form is a little off. Go figure, an eight-year-old's diving form isn't perfect. Yeah. And she's like, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired. <laughs> and she's like, no, you loser. Keep doing yeah. it. And she's like, oh, but my skin's pruned so bad that it's cracked. Just keep doing it. She's like, oh. <laughs> I can't drink any more of this chlorinated water, Bobby. <laughs> and then she begs Greg to get a part for her. 
Right. There's this movie that she really, really wants. She's she's It's Mildred Pierce. Don't beat her on the bush. Right. It's one of the worst movies ever fucking made. And, well, and she and Joan is upset because she's been on a losing streak lately in terms of box office, and she thinks yeah. it's because the studio keeps giving her bad scripts. And she's like, if they only yeah. gave me a good script, I could really get a, a hit. And so she really wants this part in Mildred Pierce. And she's like, Greg, you're Louis B. Mayer as a lawyer. Go give me that part. Yeah, and she acts all hurt, angry at her, at him. And then she tries to show off leg. He's like, okay, fine. And then we have a swimming contest between a woman in her 30s and a, a little eight-year-old girl. Guess, guess, guess who wins? The woman, the, the, the adult wins twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some healthy competition, right? Yeah, absolutely. It didn't lead to child abuse. Of course not. Because what you don't do after beating your child twice while swimming in a pool is then mock your child openly by saying, I'm bigger and stronger than you and I'll always win. Yeah. Because you might make the child angry and she kind of made Christine angry and she says, well, I'm not going to play with you anymore. And she said, what did you say? <laughs> How dare you speak to me What that I way. said, mom, <laughs> is that you're a B-I-T-C-H <gasps> and I don't want to swim with you because you're not fun to be with. You suck, mom. And yeah, Joan... I wish I could have followed Greg out. <laughs> oh. He's got your number. <laughs> Joan grabs her, and I guess it's the pool house. She throws her in the pool house, and she's like, "You'll stay in here until you learn to be a civil young lady." And blah blah blah. Right. Yeah. But we cut away from that. Yeah. Because now we get to watch her do some healthy psychotic jogging. Oh yes, she's the. I think what she describes herself as the most physically fit actress in Hollywood. Yeah. 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 Anyway, what is she saying under her breath while she's running? Oh, I forget. What is she saying? I think it's survive. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, at the very end of that scene, she's like running uphill and she's kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Survive, 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 survive. Uh oh, Steve. She comes in the house and she hears Christina. Uh oh. And Christina is pretending to get an award or some shit. Oh, shit. And, and she's she- sitting and she's in Joan's room, like at her makeup yeah. table. And she's... And she's thanking her fans. Oh, shit. And what, what, how, how does Joan feel about that? Well, Joan, because she is a, a normal, mentally healthy, well-balanced person, reacts to the sight of her young child pretending to be an actress accepting an award like the child is making fun of her. <laughs> And mocking her and her profession. Right. Even after the child says, I'm play acting like you do. You what? <laughs> so what What rational thing does she do? Oh, well, she notices that Christina has apparently put something in her hair. Uh-huh. So she cuts all of her hair off. Yay! While the child screams and cries and protests I can't the whole go to time. school like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's okay, because we cut away. Yeah, we, we skip ahead. The kid's hair has grown back, and, you know, everything's yeah, fine. Yeah. And we cut to, uh, what is it, dinner with Greg yeah. and Louis B. Mayer yeah, well, and some yeah, bankers. Yeah, they, they show up at a restaurant, and Greg, like, is wait, gets tired of waiting for Joan to come in because she's signing autographs. So yeah, Greg, she loves her fans. Yeah, so Greg just goes in, and by the time uh, Joan gets inside, Greg is chatting at the table with Louis B. Mayer, who also happens to be there. And he's like, Joan, come on over. And also happens to be his boss. Right, exactly, yeah. And he's like, Joan, come on over. Talk to the head of the studio that you work for. And, you know. Uh, yeah. So Joan is upset about that. because yep. She wanted the two of them to just have dinner themselves. And she doesn't right. like being, felt, be, feeling like she's, like, subordinate to Louis B. Mayer. Right. And that, so they have a fight about that. Which is stupid, because she is. <laughs> he owns the studio. He owns your contract. Yeah. He owns my job. 
Uh, we work for him. He is literally mm-hmm. our boss. Yeah. yeah. But they go, she go. she comes, she, afterwards, they're like, had drinks in her bedroom, right? And then they fight. Yes. And she says that he's like, shit. Yeah, his job, he's he's crooked and he's he has his hands on every dirty deal in Hollywood and yeah. Yeah. Which is probably and true. Like, and he's like, you know, when you used to drink when you were younger, it was attractive, but now you just look like a drunk. <laughs> and they fight and they fight. And then he says, okay, well, uh, I'm out. Bye-bye. And then she changes her tone. Yes. Right? Yes. She tries to sexy times him. That's not going to work anymore. No, he's like, don't act for me. Yeah, she's like, look at me. Look at this. Look at, uh, here's my, vag-. she's like laying down on the bed. She's like, you like this position? He's like, I'm not. I'm leaving. I told you. And she's like, we could use those toys you want. And he's like, no, I am leaving. <laughs> I'm taking the toys with me, Joan. You just insulted me for the last time. <laughs> so that happened. And and then she she deals with the, the heartbreak by uh, doing a little gardening. No, she deals with heartbreak by psychotically doing some photo editing. Oh, that's right. She does, yeah, that's, yeah, she cuts out all of the pictures... Uh, yeah, and then puts them back out in frame. Yeah, with the they whole ch- cuts his face out. Yeah, <laughs> and Christina's like, "See, she can make you disappear." And her little brother, who I don't think says a single word, hmm. <laughs> ever. No, not yeah, no. Should have said he, she just cut his face out of picture. He's still alive somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> then we hear there. So what happens is the children go outside to play, and they make noise. A lot of noise? No noise. A little noise. And yeah, and Joan Joan leans out her windows and says, "I don't need to shut up. Why, <laughs> you little bastards?" Christina comes up and delivers her coffee, and she tells her, "I told you how important today is. I need you to shut up." And she goes, Christina goes back in her room and talks to her dollies the same way that her mom talks to her. Yeah. So what completely same thing does her mom do? Well, Joan sees Christina playing with her dolls, and she's like, right. "I'll show her." I'll show her right. to privately play with her dolls. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the next time Christina comes into her room, her dolls are gone. Yep. And she goes to find her mom and she's like, hey, well, um, my dolls are gone. Where you know where, where my dolls are? And Joan's like, yeah, I know where they are. They're gone because fuck them and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fuck with me? And she's like, you're basically saying to her child, like, this, this, yeah. this is who you're fucking with. Do you want to fuck with me? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing in the big leagues. You want to step up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not even playing my game, Christina. Okay. Yeah. How are you gonna beat me? You're not even playing my game. Get out of here. You're a baby. You're like a little kid. <laughs> oh shit! What am I doing? Yeah, right. There's none of that. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? There's never a moment of self awareness. Like, oh my god. Nope. Am I really doing this to a child? <laughs> <laughs> nor is her assistant ever saying anything. No. Nor is the. Or is the housekeeper trying to hustle the children out when Joan's away? No, no, there is no... We're going away. We're living in Mexico yeah. now. Let's go. Move, move, move. No adult who you would think would be aware of what is going on ever expresses any concern uh-huh. or intervenes for the welfare of the children at all. Nope. Yeah. So Joan goes has a, a very important meeting with Louis B. Mayer. Oh, yes, that's right. And this is what precipitates and the gardening. Yeah. Louis B. Mayer fires her. Yes. And says she's box office poison. But he's really nice about it. He does it in a very gentle way. Yeah. Yes. 
appreciates everything that she's done for the company and blah 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 and you're fired and because you're unless i haven't said it your box office poison. and he's really no wants to see your fucking movies he's really doing this for her you know because it would hurt her career to continue to have box office failures you know, it's really yeah, for, exactly. for her own good. And oh, by the way, also, I already... Also, you never had a kid, Joan, of your own. You adopted some, and that didn't test well. <laughs> it just didn't test well. The people don't like that. People don't like looking at a barren woman on, on the screen. It makes them sad. Yeah. You make people sad. <laughs> just the knowledge of you makes people sad. But I'm sure you'll bounce back, Joan. Well, bye-bye. <laughs> you'll get a job somewhere. So the kids are woken up by the assistant in the middle of the night for a little midnight psychotic gardening. That's right. Joan is in the rose garden and she is chopping down everything in sight with with uh, uh, hedge clippers. She's she's like and then she's like kids yeah. pick up these sticks and then she's like hey Christina I'm gonna take care of this tree over here hand me that axe would you sweetheart Oh that's not the way they do it in the movie though No it's not. He's like, Christina, bring me the axe. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everyone just does what she says. I would bring her the axe. I'd bring her the axe right in the middle of her fucking <laughs> yeah, forehead. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> and if her fucking assistant has anything to say about it, she can get one, too. <laughs> yeah, here's one for you, Carol Ann. But then she gets the axe and she chops down a tree. Yes, she does. The end. <laughs> end of movie. <laughs> then we have the lunch war. Yeah, that's right, because for some reason, Joan decides to serve, like, super rare steak to her, what, eight, nine-year-old child. Yeah, for dinner. The kid, understandably, thinks it's kind of gross and doesn't want to eat a rare steak. And Joan's like, but the doctor said it's good for you. Cooking meat destroys its nutrients, so eat your raw steak. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not gonna. And she said, then you can sit there forever. And she sits there forever. She sits there forever. Good for her. her go- yeah, eventually they let her go upstairs and go to sleep. And the next morning, the steak's back for breakfast. <laughs> it's like a twilight zone. Yay! <laughs> the steak just keeps coming back. And she refuses to eat that, right? Yeah, she does. She never. She actually. I can't remember how this ends. Uh, she eventually I, gets up from the breakfast table. I think it cycles through like two or three meals. And then Joan finally says, yeah. just throw the steak in the trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she won. Yeah, baby. She'll never forget that. <laughs> Her kid hasn't eaten in three days, but she won. But at least she won, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow, I mean, so she got the part, right, for Mildred Pierce. That's right. And she won an Academy she, Award. Yeah, that's right. Now, I've mentioned how much I hate Mildred Pierce several times throughout the course of this podcast history. Oh, yes. Mildred Pierce is a soap is a, basically a soap opera. About a mommy who will do anything for her daughter, up to and including going to jail for murder and getting the death penalty. And this was supposed to be a good movie. (laughs) People sure liked it. Uh Uh-huh. But she won, and she goes outside, and she's like, I love all you fans. I love you more than anybody. Did you hear me, Christina? Anybody. I love them more than anybody anybody else. Connect the dots. (laughs) And then we jump to... Joan Crawford, wandering around the house, probably a little drunk. Probably. Her hair back and a hair band. She's got white shit all over her face. Mm-hmm. Some kind of cold cream. Yep. But, and lipstick still. <laughs> don't don't know why. You gotta, still has lipstick on. You gotta look good, even when you're just walking around the house, you know? 
wandering around the house at night like some kind of fucking psychotic witch. (laughs) (laughs) And what does she find? Well, first, okay, she wanders into the, the kids' room. And she picks up some clothes. Yeah, she goes into the closet and she's like looking at some of the clothes, going through the closet, and she finds one of Christina's dresses and it's on a wire hanger. Oh no. She doesn't like that. Yeah, wire hangers are bad. Yeah, she she remembers giving explicit instructions to the child that there were to be no wire hangers in the closet. And I guess Christina is personally in charge of that, even though we've yeah. seen that there is a staff who works at this house who That's presumably right. would be putting the laundry away. Somehow it's the child's fault. Well, Christina is the dry cleaner, too. She oh, dry cleaned that dress. There, absolutely. It wasn't the maid that or, or one of the servants that put the, the dress up from the dry cleaner is still in a wire Nope, hanger. nope. Christina's no. fault. She's very upset. Oh, boy. How upset, Steve? Well, she she wakes up Christina and screams about how there aren't supposed to be wire hangers. Uh, she takes all the other clothes that are not on wire hangers and uh, throws them on the floor. And I think maybe she finds, like, one more dress that has a wire hanger because she kind of stops and holds it. She's like, oh, God damn it. And like, right. And then Christina gets is out of bed and Joan, like, shoves her on the floor. And um, and is yelling and screaming and starts beating her with the wire hanger. Right. How many times did she beat her, Steve? A whole bunch. Because she she's the uh, punctuation mark on every sentence she's saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's great. great. And then after she's uh, physically abused the child in a truly horrifying way, she goes into the bathroom and decides that the floor isn't clean enough because she yep. told Christina to clean the floor earlier and Christina says she did and she's yeah. like well you call this clean and Christina's like yeah and she's like this <laughs> is not clean and then they get down with a little Ajax and they start scrubbing and the daughter who has no instinct for self-preservation says but this floor is already clean <laughs> yeah what what the fuck is wrong with you mom she hasn't gotten it yet that her mother is an unhinged psychopath. No. And so Joan blows up at that. And, you know, now there's Ajax all over the bathroom. The Ajax can. Yeah, she hits her with the Ajax can and stands up and she says, clean up this mess. And Christina's like, how? And Joan's like, figure it out. And she leaves. And she leaves. And Christina has probably my favorite moment in the whole movie when Joan has just left and she's just sitting there, this this child who's just been subjected to this yep. awful abuse. And she just kind of shakes her head and looks around and goes, Jesus Christ. Yep. This little kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Her, her brother unbuckles himself from the bed because he needs to be strapped in for some reason. Yeah. Let's that is never out. really she's explored. Like, yeah. Go back to your room. Stay. You're not the one being abused. I am. And so we cut immediately to a radio show at Christmas time. Oh, they're a happy family. Yeah, and I wanted Christina so badly to lean into that microphone and go, Mommy beats me. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) On a live radio show. (laughs) Please help me. (laughs) She beat me with a wire hanger, and then she nearly poisoned me with Clorox. Someone needs to stop this. You want proof? And she just casually knocks over a potted plant. Dirt spills all over the ground. No! (laughs) You little monster! (laughs) Yeah. But that isn't what happens. They all make pretend that they're a happy family. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine. We cut to a booty call. 
Joan has a gentleman caller showing up. Oh, yeah. And Christina makes him a drink. Yeah, Christina is a village of the damning. This performance is hard as possible. Oh, yeah. She's like, come in, Uncle Fuck of the Week. Yeah. He's like, that's not my name. I'm not your uncle. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, now I'm going to show you that an eight-year-old knows how to make a drink. (laughs) This is how I make all my mom's boyfriend's drinks. Yep. And he's like, I, I should maybe leave, but I really want to have sex with Joan Crawford. <laughs> and she's trying to get him to get her better scripts. Yes. Again, that's, again, that's all she ever wants. And they're getting I just all need Mickey a good outy. script. Yeah. yeah. They're getting all Mickey-outy and gropey, and then Christina comes in with another drink and goes, Hi, Mom, I know you're a whore. Here you go. Here's your whore juice. Whore. Boy, what a whore. Good night. Good night. Man who she won't remember in three days. <laughs> and oh no, she's sent away to boarding school. That's right. Jones finally had enough of this motherhood shit. Yep. She's like, you're going away to boarding school. Go- uh, bye. I'll see you sometime. Uh, I'll see you when you're being played by a different actress. That's right. And we see her face. The, the lady at the school looks down at her. She looks up at the lady and bam, she's now a teenager or something. Yeah. And she's a bad actress. That's right. And also, she's portraying a bad actress. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! She's in some high school play, Antigone, I think. Yeah, she's doing a scene from Antigone. It looks like it's like for a class or something, because it's not yeah. like an actual play, but yeah. And everyone's like, yay, ha ha, you're good, yay, whatever. Mm-hmm, sure. <sighs> and uh, she meets with her mommy, and she asks her for money, doesn't she? Uh, I don't think that's not at this point, is it? It is. Is it? She asks because Joan breaks down and says, "We're broke. We have no." That's right. She says, "We're broke. We have no money. I don't that's know what right. to do. I can't get any work. Everything's awful." And she's like, "Okay, mom." Yeah, settles down. She's like, <laughs> and then um, she comes home. They're home. She's home for right now. Yeah. And Joan Joan likes a little of the drinky drink. Yeah. She finds she finds Joan passed out drunk. Uh huh. Yeah. And she looks over, and she sees a whole bunch of expensive shoes. She's like, I thought we didn't have any money. And she's like, she lies, too. She drinks and she lies now. She drinks and she lies. She's bad. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, uh uh-oh. Christina's getting to second base with a boy at school. Oh, shit. We can see her underwears. Uh Uh-oh. And she gets caught by another girl who likes the same boy. And she's like, I'm telling. And she says, I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell everybody. The the, the words that send a cold chill down your spine when you are uh, a student in school, no matter who says them. (laughs) I'm going to tell. No, God, no. And so she's in the office, and Joni's yelling at everybody. She's yelling at the te- the the person that runs the school. Oh yeah. Yelling at, yelling at uh, Christina, calling her a whore, calling everybody a whore. Everybody's a whore. <laughs> you can see the fumes coming out of her mouth from all the alcohol. <laughs> like, I'm exactly. Pulling my daughter out of this school. And they're driving back. They get to the house, and there's a reporter there, right, Steve? That's right. A very important reporter from Red Book Magazine. You would think that Joan would remember that. Well, make you for an think. awfully interesting article. <laughs> you would think, yeah. Well, so, she tells Christina, she says, this reporter is doing a story on me, so just behave yourself, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Christina's like, okay. So the reporter's like, so why you here? And Joan lies. Yeah, what does she, say? she says. Well, she says. Uh, well, Christina just got expelled from school, which is not what true. Is, 
Joan took her out of school. And Christina says, that's a lie. Yeah. Right in front of the report. Like she yeah. says, that is a lie. That is a lie. And the reporter's like, awkward. Okay. <laughs> and what happens next, Steve? Oh, Joan and Christina, they go off by themselves into another room and they have a little talk that escalate uh-huh. that escalates once again said, into uh, shocking she violence. Telling her that everything she's saying is a lie. She's right. like, that's a lie too. Yeah. But what starts the fist fight? Oh, it's when Christina... Well, first Christina says, why did you adopt me? And Joan gives her yeah. some line about, I wanted a child. I wanted to be a mother. I wanted someone to love. And Christina's like, nope, that's mm-hmm. not it. What's the real reason? And they go back and forth. And finally, Christina says, and this is what really breaks it off. She says, I am not one of your fans. <laughs> Joan's like, that's it. And, <laughs> and starts strangling her yes jumps on her knocks her down mounts her on the floor and basically would have choked her to death if uh the reporter had... and the housekeeper had not finally come in yeah at, after like 10 minutes of continuous strangling finally carol ann yeah. and barbara come in it's like oh they do this all the time it's fine this okay. one time when when she was eight years old she just beat her with a co- with a wire hanger and oh there's there was there was a cleaner all over the bathroom oh boy ah uh, fun days like, what <laughs> this Hang is on. normal <laughs> whoa 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 <laughs> can we walk back your last statement for a second you called nobody you you literally listened to the whole thing from the hallway you knew about this you continued to work here you continued to allow this child to stay here <laughs> You continue to feed this beast's ego. Yes, really. Help her autograph her pictures and answer her uh-huh. fan mail. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, they break up the fight, and what happens? Uh, she. This is when she sends her to the convent, right? Yep. Yeah, she sends Christina to a con- she just She just pulled her out of a school. Now she sends her back to a school, to a convent. Yeah. To, yeah. to- be a nun, I guess. I guess. Or to live amongst the nuns. <laughs> to live amongst the nuns. I'm sending you to live amongst the nuns, Christina. Oh, shit. And then Joan has some fun with the Pepsi executives. Is that what this part is? Right. Well, she yeah, she gets married, which yeah. is the only one of her marriages that we actually see in the movie. Uh, yeah, she marries... John, to John Pepsi. Yeah, exactly. The, she marries the CEO of Pepsi, and yeah. they move to New York. And uh, this Christina is Christina graduates. Somewhere. Yeah, Christina gets out of the convent, and she's yeah. like, "Please don't make me go." <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go. But she's out there somewhere. She's out there. P- please just let me stay. She's jumping at every noise. <laughs> I, I'll do anything. I, I see painted on eyebrows on everything. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Why does she do that? Does she think that looks attractive? If you're going to kick me out, just let me have a shotgun. Can I have a shotgun, please? I need to be able to protect myself. You can't just put me out there alone. <sighs> but she, yeah, she's out. She lives, She's living in New York. Yeah, she's trying to be an actress. She's trying to be an actress. She's in a soap opera, even. That's right. And she gets sick or something. Yeah, she has. Yeah, exactly. It turns out it's like an ovarian cyst or something. Then she's in yeah. the hospital for, it's nothing serious, but she's in the hospital for a few days. And what does mom do? Well, she, she has this part on a soap opera, you know, and she can't be on the soap opera while she's recovering. So Joan, yeah. Joan, very graciously and, and uh, very selflessly, of course, volunteers to stand in for her 20-something daughter <laughs> and play her role on the soap opera on while soap she's opera. recovering. So That worked out great. That goes terrific. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Meanwhile, at PepsiCo, her husband dies. Oops. Darn. He's dead. And the, the board of... Did he kill himself? Did he kill himself? He, I mean, probably? Well, probably. Probably. Uh, and the board of directors meets with Joan, and they're like, so we don't uh, want you around, and we're just going to retire you. And she's like, fuck you. Yeah, and then she has one of these speeches, doesn't she, Steve? Oh, yeah. She's basically like, I will destroy this whole company. I'm famous, I'm a movie star, and I will fuck this shit up if you try to get rid of me. What's the line, Steve? Don't fuck with me, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> and this, is, this isn't my first rodeo or something like that. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. And then what happens? <laughs> Uh, then she has a scene with Christina where she gives her a necklace. Yeah. Right? And it's actually kind of, a, it's a relatively civil scene between them. Like, they don't have a big fight or anything. Yeah, they're not, yeah, right. And then she dies. And then she dies, yeah. And we see Christina, like, we arriving don't get to at... see her die like the lead Skeksy in the Dark Crystal. Where he's, like, <laughs> grasping and... They're crumbling in dust. <laughs> well, no, but actually before the death, we see the, there's the award ceremony where she's too sick to go to the awards and Christina accepts, like, I guess it's like some kind of Lifetime Achievement Award. Or something. Like for Joan. And she gives a really nice, gracious speech. Yeah. And doesn't air any of the dirty laundry and doesn't... Should have. Yeah, I know she should have been like, let me tell you guys about the person you're giving this award to. Okay. I would like to say that I'm glad that when I was eight years old that her Academy Award for Mrs. Miniver arrived late through shipping so she didn't beat me to death with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she gives a really nice speech and she, she looks right into the camera and says, I love you, Mommy, dearest. And Joan looks very yeah. moved by that. And then she's dead. And yeah, Christina, we don't get to see her die. No, we don't get to see her die. And Christina has a scene at her coffin where she tells her, you know, she says, like, you know, I you know, love you. I'm pretty you. sure and... she died trying to strangle the delivery man. <laughs> right? <sighs> when he didn't recognize her name on the signature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know whose autograph you just got? Joan Crawford. <laughs> Who? Oh. I used to be big. <laughs> Me and Norma Desmond go out every night. <laughs> it was the pictures. It got small. <sighs> so now we're at the funeral. Yeah. Oh, and Christopher's and they, back. Yeah, Christopher's back for this tiny little scene. <laughs> Hi, Christopher. Yeah. And they're like, you don't get nothing. She didn't leave anything to you. That's right. Yeah, they meet with the, the, the for the reading of the will. And the lawyer's like, she said you don't get nothing. And Christopher's and they like. they imply that the only reason she wrote the book was to get vengeance on her Bob yeah. for not leaving her any inheritance. What a nice ending, huh? No wonder <laughs> she didn't like this movie. <laughs> the <Yep>. end. <sighs> so, Steve. Yes. How do you feel about this educational film about parenting? Ah. Uh, Mommy Dearest. So... So much of, of this film's reputation and, and the, the discussion of it centers on its camp value. Oh, yeah. Um, which is definitely worth talking about. Um, it but, buries the needle. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. But I would rather talk a little bit about the structure of the movie. Because, okay. honestly, for all of its... For all the things it does right and all the things it does wrong, my biggest problem with the movie is the way it's structured. So... About halfway through this movie, and this was the first time I had actually seen it, like, all the way through. Um, so about halfway through this movie, I was actually kind of into it. Like, it started out 
not that promising. Uh, stylistically, I felt like it wasn't really too much above like a better than average TV movie. Like it's yeah. not like a very artistically accomplished movie. But by the time we get to the no wire hanger scene, like it kind of had me. I was I was interested, you know. At yeah. that at that point in the movie, I'm thinking this is actually not bad for a celebrity biopic because it's at least got an angle. It's about the parenting. It's about the mother daughter relationship. It's not about our career necessarily. Right, right. It's not like like here are some of the things that happened in this famous person's life which is what mm -hmm. most biopics are it's like and this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and it's not really a story yeah. um and and there's that wire hanger scene which is i think a really really great scene um it's horrifying it's difficult to watch like it's Steve, it's do you need to talk do we need to stop for <laughs> no, listen, it's do it's you, do you need somebody right now I've never, i have never thankfully i have never experienced anything like that uh okay, good. from any from either side <laughs> um and it is it's 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 difficult to watch even though like it's super over the top like mm -hmm. faye dunaway is just aiming for the moon with her performance but I mean, you're you're watching an adult abuse a child in the most awful way, and it's difficult to watch. But it oh, yeah. as as drama, it's a I think it's a really good scene, or at least it's mm -hmm. it's a gripping scene. Like I, I'm yeah. watching it and thinking, oh my god, I can't take my eyes off this, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then it goes on. There's that scene between teenage Christina and Joan where she ends up choking her after Christina says, "I'm not one of your fans," and yeah. and to me. That is the emotional high point of the movie. That That's is true. The the daughter finally standing up to the mother and the mother showing like finally once and for all she hasn't changed, she hasn't grown, she's still a monster, she still is going to physically assault her child for not, you know, for this slight or for reacting to yeah. her bullying like and it's again that is also a great scene again super over the top but a really great scene where everything that's been building and building between these two characters finally boils over and it's great and then the movie keeps going yeah. for for another half an hour yeah we and, need to make sure the monster's dead Steve. yeah <laughs> see but that's that's where it it loses me right because up to that point it has been at least interesting and entertaining and uh, you know i would call it like a good movie i wouldn't call it like a classic by any means but i would call it okay i i'm kind of into this like this is a good right. movie uh and then it keeps going and there are still some memorable scenes after that point in that last half hour but we don't really learn anything new that we don't nope. already know uh, nothing happens that changes the way we think of anything that we've already seen. It's just more of Joan is awful, right? And we already know that Joan is awful. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's at the point when it does start to feel like one of those typical biopics where it's like, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Um, uh. The movie also at this point shifts its focus more fully to Christina which makes sense in theory because it's a, it's based on the real Christina's book and Christina yeah. is she Christina's the character that we stay with to the end and she is the the person who has survived the abuse so like it makes sense to want to follow her but unfortunately her character never really comes through no. um and I don't, part of that is the script part of that is the performance i think but she just never like i i sympathize with her due to the abuse that we've seen her suffer like i have compassion for her as a fellow human being but but as a character in a story she never really has any depth or dimension um and plus once the film shifts more to christina 
we still get these Joan scenes that feel disconnected from the story now. Like there's yeah. that scene we mentioned where Joan is at the, the board of directors with Pepsi and she has her big speech about, you know, don't fuck with me, fellas. I've been doing this a long time. And, and taken just by itself, that's a good scene because it's Faye Dunaway overacting and being Joan Crawford. And it's like an entertaining, very quotable, very memorable scene. But within the context of the film, it doesn't really mean anything. It has nothing nope. to do with her relationship with Christina. And have anything to do with anything. It has to do yeah, and because the next time we see Joan, the movie has skipped ahead again, yep. and she's not even with Pepsi anymore. Like that, it's it, like the scene just is there as an island unto itself. It means absolutely nothing to anything in the, anything else in the movie. So mm -hmm. why is it there? Um, it shows us that Joan is tenacious and competitive and doesn't take shit. But we already knew that. It right. doesn't. It doesn't need to be there. Um, so there are some very entertaining moments in the movie. There act. There are some very affecting moments in the movie, and there are moments of just absolutely screaming, delightful camp. Like Faye Dunaway's performance is like we we referenced it already once during the during the the plot summary. Like she's like a completely unhinged Norma Desmond. Like yeah. she makes Norma Desmond look actually relatively balanced. She's yeah. so far over the top. And her performance is it's simultaneously great and awful. And that quality is really the essence of camp. When you're watching yeah. something that is so awful that it becomes awesome. Um, that's Faye Dunaway as, as Joan Crawford. Um, her performance, yeah. whatever you think about it, whether you judge it to be good or bad or whatever, it's unforgettable. Like when she's doing her thing and she's really going off, you can't take your eyes off her when she's on screen. Mm -hmm. And she's so bright in that role that she washes out everything else in the movie yep. to the point that when she's not on screen, everything else suffers. Um, and those moments of camp or, or horror or drama or whatever you want to call them that really work, uh, and there are several of them, there just aren't enough of them for me to lift the rest of the movie. Oh, so she should like, have abused her more. She should have abused her more for longer. She should <laughs> have gone even further. Reasons. For Yes, for even less justifiable reasons. Um, and so when, when, when those moments aren't happening, like the movie just kind of lies there and it just doesn't work. Well, it and, meanders through her career. <laughs> you know that's i mean yeah uh, yeah i'll get to it when i get to mine yeah but well and so that's why i i have to say like as entertaining as i find it to be occasionally and as as gripping as i find it to be occasionally and 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 as as just you know screamingly campy and enjoyable at times as i find it mm -hmm. to be i can't honestly say that i think it's a good movie uh I did. I did think it is not nearly as bad as its reputation suggests. Like its reputation is, it's one of like the most infamously terrible movies ever. I didn't think yeah. it was nearly that. Um, I just thought it, it. It's 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 peaks and valleys, and the valleys are really low and boring, and the peaks uh -huh. are high for a variety of reasons. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> and and the, there there just aren't enough peaks to justify the rest of the movie. So it's not a absolutely awful terrible movie but it's not that great of a movie either so there you nope. go nope my turn my your turn okay i agree with steven on a lot of his points um but i think one of the major problems that i have with this movie is that i cannot decide whose story this is mm. okay can't decide whether it's joan crawford's story or if it's christina's story now you could say it's both of their stories but in order to do that they would have to have a better script <laughs> and also, we would need to believe that Joan Crawford is a real person and not some exaggerated nightmare from a soap opera that managed to get on screen. 
because that's how she delivers all of her lines. Nothing about her is authentic. There's nothing that I believe that comes out of her fucking mouth. Not when she's being broken up with, not when she's having an argument, not when she's being fired by Louis B. Mayer. All of her emotion, her emotional state is so high and so fabricate, fabricated that as a character, she no longer works. Ironically, it only works when she's beating her child to death. Mm. That's the only time that works. The rest of the time, you don't believe a fucking word that comes out of her mouth. You don't believe in the character, right? Right. Who is ostensibly supposed to be a real person. Now, am I saying that this might have been a more interesting movie? Have they just done it from Joan Crawford's point of view? I don't know how they do it, but they could if they'd let her play a real person. But this is ultimately a real person that learns nothing. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't develop at all and in fact it goes on a da- downward spiral um, and that's not interesting to me so you know I, ha- I will always have a sympathy for a child who's literally laying there crying not understanding why she's getting beat today Yeah, which is an important subject that's an important message you're going to carry across they used it as an exploitative thing this is an exploitation movie People wanted. There's a reason why it made a profit. People wanted to see what everyone was talking about, mm. and then they went in and had to ins- had to endure a bunch of dreck to get to these key moments where Joan Crawford was acting crazy <laughs> when she was chopping down a tree or or you know abusing her daughter, right? But the rest of the time, it almost feels like no effort was put into it. Greg, her boyfriend, is ugh, he's like a can of spam walking through this film. <laughs> I mean, I understand that he got his fifis hurt when she insulted him, but you never have any impact because we really don't know who this guy is. Right. Okay, so he's a little dissatisfied with the way Joan treats him and the way that this lifestyle dating a starlet is, but I mean, none of these people feel like people. And when the few glimmering moments come out where they actually do feel like people, you go, oh, this is an awful movie and I don't want to watch these people get beat up. Right, it's sp- yeah. specifically the kid, right? You're right. When she's looking around the, the bathroom saying, Jesus Christ, she should have immediately sprinted to the window and climbed out, but that's not the nature of abuse. Right. They went out of their way to show this happened in Joan's life, so she came home and she beat everybody up, except for the wire hanger scene. She just won a fucking Oscar the yeah. last time we checked in, and we immediately cut to her prowling around the house like some 80s slasher villain (laughs) looking for something to get upset about. It comes out of, literally seems to come out of nowhere. All the previous times she's like, oh, my daughter yelled at me or, oh, I got fired or, oh, whatever else. So, I mean, while I appreciate the camp value to it, I can't take it seriously because if I take it seriously, this is a deeply upsetting film. And you're right. After she stood up for herself and said, I'm not one of your fans, what immediately happens after that? Mommy tries to kill her. Mommy tries to murder her daughter. Yeah. yeah. That should have been the end after that. That should have been the end. That was it. They're done. I don't care about what happens later on. But also, I also accept the fact that kind of the nature of abuse is that you love this person. That is your parent who is abusing. I wish that that message could have been taken seriously in this film. Mm-hmm. But because they're shooting for the back fence... You're hitting for the back fence with these performances. Can't. Any of the subtlety, any of the nuance of what these relationships are like are gone. And it just becomes a big spectacle of people of of just... It's just... Steve, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, not good. 
I don't care about Joan Crawford's past. I know exactly where we are in her career. I don't care anybody. You know what would have been an interesting take on this? If this whole thing was from Christina's perspective. Then that scene where she just comes in and beats her up with a wire hanger makes more sense. Yeah. If she did not understand a single reason as to why she was being abused so badly. And it was completely that Joan Crawford just shows up and there are some loving moments and then there are these awful moments and it's from a kid's point of view that's an interesting film we don't yeah. give a shit about Mildred Pierce about her getting fired from Louis B. Mayer parents don't usually share things with kids in their adult lives when they're out of the house and so that would have made it more interesting but that was the only way that I could think of to make it more interesting um, I don't ever want to see this movie again it made me feel bad <laughs> It made me feel bad because there were a lot of missed opportunities. Now, do I think this really happened? <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. Probably. Probably. Was it what it was in this movie? Probably not. <laughs> probably not to this level. Because even the daughter said, well, what did you just do? What did you guys do? <laughs> right. But, yeah, that's, that's just me. I mean, the script is... Uh, everything about it feels like a soap opera. From the script, from mm -hmm. the way people square off. You'll see it in Dynasty. You'll see it in Dallas. You'll see it in, in on on TV soap operas during the, the one that's left. I think there's one left. Um, just over-melodramatic pablum. And the script matches yeah. it. So, I don't like it. Not a classic. Or it deserves its reputation, right? So we're agreed, right? Yeah, Steve? we agree, yeah. I mean, I can understand why it's entertaining so long as you divorce the fact that this is supposed to be representing real people and it's so over the top. Yeah. Um, you know, Christine, yeah. Christine cries real good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as like if you're going to it just for the camp value, I can see maybe watching just like a supercut of all of the big Jones scenes. But this movie yeah. is this movie is over two hours long, and, and, I know. and for some movies like that might be the perfect length. But this movie needed to be ninety minutes long. Like they needed to be yeah, when exactly. when the big moment happens when when Joan when she stands up to Joan and Joan tries to kill her, uh, that's that's at around the ninety minute mark. Uh -huh. So that's a that's a pretty good running time for a movie, and it keeps yeah. going for a half an hour after that, and that's just way way too long. Yeah, because all the tension has been, for the most part, released. Yeah, and it never now gets just, back to that point. It never gets back to that high point. Of, yeah, yeah, it's thirty minutes of Joan being a jerk. Yeah, and that's and it's un, it's not terribly interesting. Yeah, they don't have anything new to say for the last thirty minutes. So yeah, not recommend. You, I'm bummed. I'm bummed now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna go beat my kids. I feel oh. <laughs> Okay, just turn the microphone off. I don't think I want to hear no, that. No, it's coming with me. <laughs> I'm going to beat them with the microphone. Go here. Where are you going? Steve, please tell me that you have a better movie to recommend. Oh, well, I mean, I think it's a better movie, sure. Yay. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie that I think is, it, it's also a camp classic, but I think it actually deserves to be a camp classic. Uh, it is it is a much more enjoyable movie uh, than Mommy Dearest, in part because uh, it is not about real people who are suffering terrible abuse. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it and it actually stars the real Joan Crawford, oh, no. which I think is is appropriate given the movie we've just been talking about. Uh, the movie I am recommending is the cult classic starring Joan Crawford. And also starring her great rival, Betty Davis. Oh, I knew you were going to do this. From 1962, it's a little film called, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? <laughs> 
I know. <laughs> this is a movie that I that is uh, it has it has a, a, among fans of so bad it's good movies or, or camp classics. It has a somewhat similar reputation as Mommy Dearest, but to me it is superior in every possible way. Uh, it is a hoot. Because there are it's fictional. It's fictional, and, and there are scenes of just that are just absolutely delightful. They're so absurd and over the top and ridiculous. Uh, you have two great. Uh, actresses for this material and Betty Davis and Joan Crawford who who part of the appeal of the movie is that they did not like each other in real life and, oh, no, they didn't. and they play characters in this movie who are trying to kill each other so yep. it, it works just great um it worked so great they made another one together. Yeah, absolutely, and it became kind of and 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 it it sort of kickstarted both of their careers for a little while. I mean, it didn't yeah. really last, but this this both had this movie came out in the early '60s when they were both very much on the back end of their careers, and they make this movie and it it becomes a hit, and they both get a little bit of a of a revival out of it. Um, and uh, Betty Davis uh, actually uh, won an Oscar for it. Or yeah. was nominated for an Oscar for it, rather. She didn't win, but she was nominated, and uh, that create that didn't help their their rivalry nope. because then Joan said, "Well, she never even mentioned me," <laughs> you know, like, well, she acted like she was the only person in the movie, and she could have at least well, said she something. She was then. pretty much if you ever watched the movie. It is much more of a Betty Davis movie than a Joan Crawford. Oh movie. yeah, but uh, but yeah, Blanche, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so it's it's that's the movie I'm recommending. It is if if you're looking for. For a really campy, fun, over-the-top movie uh, with where Hollywood turns old starlets into monsters, with Hollywood royalty doing some incredibly undignified things. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't just skip Mommy Dearest, which is a pale imitation of the real thing. Which uh, for me is whatever happened to Baby Jane. That is the movie I am recommending that you see instead. Okay, well, as you guys know, I like to recommend the, a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. And the year is 19-something, 1981, right? <laughs> yep. And I'm going to go with another movie that is based on, I think, true events, but at least is very realistic from a, a quality director and is a much better film. In mm. fact, I would put it behind another film about the same era. The movie is about several young men from rural Western Australia who enlist in the Australian Army during the First World War. And you can imagine how happy that ending's going to be because all movies set in the First World War are happy endings, right, Steve? Yeah, it's it's, it's one of our more reassuring conflicts, isn't it? Yeah, so the movie that I'm going to recommend is a movie called Gallipoli, directed by Peter Weir and unfortunately starring Mel Gibson. But aside from that... It's a really good movie with an extraordinarily bummer ending. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> I have not actually seen Gallipoli, no. You need to see it. It's really good. It's really good. I will. It's got one of those nice depressing endings that you love so much. Oh, boy. I do love a nice depressing ending. Hey, Steve. Yeah. It's time. Oh, boy. Oh, man. This didn't work out so well this it's time. time, Steven. <laughs> oh, God. For you to make a terrible choice. <sighs> okay. Okay. And I swear to God, you better pick the right movie. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. As you guys know, Steve is about to pick the next movie that we're going to review. It's a blind choice, and you must choose between three movies that I have selected. So, Steve. Yes. You have A, Mm -hmm. B, or C. Oh, boy. One of these is going to cause us a huge amount of pain, Steve. Okay. Good. That's, That's good to know. So, no pressure. No pressure. Okay, 
I took a look around the room just now, and the first one of those letters that I saw was A. Fuck. So I am choosing A. Fuck me. Oh, man. Fuck. Is, that, is that the bad Fuck. one? Fuck. Oh, God man. damn it. Oh, damn. Oh, oh damn. No. Oh, shit. No. Not A. No. Wow. Cool. Oh, oh, Jason, 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 come back. Jason, come back. Jason, okay, he's coming back. Okay, he's back. Okay. I can't hear you. I threw my headphones off. Okay. So. Okay. So. So, Steve. If I murdered you, I think this would stand up in court. I know it's not your fault. You chose blindly. <laughs> wow. I really I really can't wait to see what this movie is now. Had you chosen B, okay. we would have reviewed the sci-fi classic, The Terminator. Oh, okay. Had you chosen C, we would have reviewed the golden age sci-fi classic, The Day the Earth Should Still. Ooh, that would have been good. But you chose, you chose. I chose A. You chose A. Oh boy. Okay. 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 The next movie that we're going to review. And then Jason is going to throw himself in front of a fucking train. Because here's, guys, guys. I watch a movie at least twice before I review it. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. So I have to watch this at least twice. You guys only have to watch it once, or not at all. But the next movie that we're going to review <sighs> okay. is a science fiction movie based on a popular novel Uh-oh. starring John Travolta. Oh, shit. The movie is called, I can't even say it, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's he's gone. He's gone. He's on the floor. Oh god. He's on the he's on the floor. So if you guys want to oh get god. all the jokes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Then watch Battlefield Earth before uh, you don't have good guys don't do it. You, you, I honest. We do it because we're stupid. But you guys you guys don't have to, right? Right? Right, what? Steve? What Steve, have get I up. Done? You gotta get up, Steve. What you have I get done? Up. What have I done? Oh, God. It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll be all right. It's, as, oh. as Alfred Hitchcock once said, it's only a movie. Of course he said that. Of course he said that. And then he died before Battlefield Earth was made. So what the <laughs> fuck does he know? I was terribly wrong. <laughs> He's I'm like, so sorry. Actually... <laughs> I'm glad I was dead when they made it. <laughs> oh, Alfred. So, yay. Battlefield Earth, everybody. Sorry. <laughs> and that's it for late seating. This has been Jason Harding. And go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Christina! <laughs> Christopher! Damn it! I'm, I can't. I'm still thinking about having to review Battlefield. I'm sorry. I thought I could cheer you up with the Joan Crawford quote, but... That was the quote? Yeah. Just calling the kids names? Well, that's what, that's what she says when they wake her up. Yeah, how about this for a memorable quote? 
<laughs> Let's hear Breakfast it. Breakfast is ready. There's a memorable quote. <laughs> Breakfast is ready. Out of everything you could have done for this movie, it was just calling the kids. Yeah, well, but the way she does it, I, you know what? We we already I would have done uh, Christina bring me the axe, but we hit that in the in the review, so I didn't Steven, want to do it. Haven't I told you that when you choose your last quote for the movie, needs to be something memorable. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <sighs> I can't find we the did. button to turn it off and make it stop. <laughs> we did bad. We're doing yeah. <laughs> We're doing bad. We did wrong and bad. <laughs> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Let Me Listen. And thanks for listening.